Welcome to the Checkmates Go podcast. Join your favorite Checkpoint expert, Phone Boy, and his guests as they cover a range of cybersecurity topics to help you secure your everything. Be sure to subscribe and share, and don't forget to rate and review us. And now, here's Phone Boy. And welcome to Season 3, Episode 12. Back in April of 2021, I had a conversation with Tim Otis and John Nichols of the Checkpoint Incident Response Team about ransomware. Since then, we've had, well, a major incident with Colonial Pipeline and ransomware and shutting down an entire fuel distribution network in the southeastern part of the United States. Ransomware gets a lot of attention in the news because it's the thing that goes boom. But how this particular ransomware got deployed was by the use of an older VPN account whose password was compromised and was used to gain entry into Colonial Pipeline to deploy the ransomware. So while this conversation is a couple months old, a lot of the issues we bring up are still relevant in the sense of here's how organizations are compromised and then ransomware is deployed. So I guess we talk about ransomware. Again. Ransomware, yeah. Again, <laughs> that's your, it's, your, it's your favorite topic. It keeps, it keeps coming up in the news, though. I mean, um, what's, I, guess, I guess the question is what's new in ransomware? We've we've seen this trend right going. So here here's how it's flowing right. Opportunistic ransomware early on that went to one machine, one person's machine. Then threat actors compromising a network and just deploying ransomware to several machines. Then taking that and then towards the middle of last year, 2020, or maybe it was Q2 2020, starting to actually exfil data, steal data while they're in there, post it on onion sites. And if the, so it's a double whammy of ransom and ransoming the data and then extortion for disclosing the data they stole. And then now just this week, we've, we're, we're reading reports of the threat actors mailing customers of the victims Directly emailing directly to customers of the victims to say, so, so right, the threat actors get in, compromise the entire network. While they're in there with their dwell time, they're exfilling important data, stealing it, taking it off site. Uh, then they're, they're, they're charging the ransom. Then they're charging an extortion fee on top of it if they don't pay the ransom to say, we're going to disclose what we stole. And then they are taking the data and emailing the victim's customers directly saying, we compromised your business partner or your vendor. And here's what we got. Not only are they throughout time changing their, their TTP inside the network, kind of like we we've seen threat actors evolve. And, and like, you know, we've talked even on this podcast about how RDP is a foothold. Uh, Emotet was a giant foothold. We saw Drydex in, in, in the latter half of, or and again, Q2-ish, maybe eight, half two of 2020, Drydex becoming a foothold. There's all the, like the malware used is evolving and changing that they're using to, to get a foothold in the network. And then their tactics after their post ransom tactics to get more money out of the victims is also evolving that whole, that whole thing. So it's constantly changing. Always, always a new thing. It seems like an escalation, right? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I guess they've got to escalate somehow, haven't they? If they, if they, you know, you know, like Tim says, you know, the journey they've been through. First, just encrypt all your data so you haven't got your data and hold that to ransom. Then maybe find that people aren't so keen to pay for that because they they find a backup or just go to recovery. So how how do we push them to um to to make the payment or to you know to consider payment as well? We'll just we'll take their data and we'll threaten to release their data. So. You know, it's it, it, it's the, like we talked about with SolarWinds stuff. It's the next step on, basically. And I think what we've seen as well in the investigation part is the um, the clearing of data internally. So, you know, event log data. We you know, the last one I dealt with, there was a, a scheduled task to clean event logs every two hours or something. So there was there was very little data there as to what actually happened on that endpoint. Any of the endpoints that were encrypted or touched by the attacker, there was this you know, GPO set clear the event logs every two hours. So a lot of our evidence had gone from the environment and there wasn't a great deal to do our root cause analysis with. Yeah, the, that's part of ransomware, right? Is yeah, I mean, any good attack, right? It has to cover your tracks because it's uh, and that and yeah, the clearing event. If you if you see stuff like clearing event logs, that's not that's not such a great thing, right? And I think we all have to, so these are things you have to look for, and yeah, that does make it difficult to track down the you know the the where. But I I still yeah I feel like this is yeah the, it's yeah it's just an escalation. It's continuing to uh, because as yeah we we start with the encrypt you know, we start with just encrypting and then moving on to Okay, now I'm going to disclose the data because I can get because once I got in, I can get data out, and then I can I can easily exfil that and and and, ext- and do extortion. But there, you know, what what sort of boggles my mind is that there's a there's a tr- there's a trust issue with the malicious actor, right? When we're saying, okay, I'm going to pay you to decrypt my data or not disclose it, you're assuming that the that the that the malicious actor is 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 going to keep it to his word. Right. And I think that there, there's a certain amount of um, th- there may be some benefit to the to the malicious actor actually doing what they say in, 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 in giving that data back or whatever. But there's no guarantee. And, you know, and, 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 and what's your recourse if, the, if you pay them and they don't give you the data back? Right. It's 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 the same as they, they took the data. So, I, I you know, I, I don't understand the OK, I'm going to pay them situation i think i i guess i get i guess i get where people are like this is my only hope of getting back because i don't know how to, i don't know how to recover from this right and i think that I think that's where people are at and that's where you know we we all know we should be doing backups we all we all should be uh we should be making sure that we have um i don't know incident response plans making sure that we all that we have that we have recovery plans when when a disaster strikes but uh it's like people don't have the confidence in their own plans and their own and the and the steps that they've taken steps that they should be taking anyway because it's not just ransomware that they're protecting themselves from it's you know they could you know they're protecting themselves from natural disaster or whatever right there's there has to be a business continuity plan in place and there has to be something uh you have to be doing all these things anyway but people feel like they're less confident or it's going to be faster to pay the ransom but there's no guarantee that that's actually going to lead to the result you want no, not at all. Well, I suppose you know if you, if you're if you're a ransomware attacker, then it's not, you know it's it's not a great advert for you if you don't give them their data back or don't decrypt their data or release their data anyway. I suppose so. There's there's a you know honor amongst thieves. Maybe I don't know. Um, I'm not a ransomware attacker. Let's put that out there now. Um, but you know if if you were and if it was your business to do that, you wouldn't get a very good name by by not doing what you said you were going to do. So there is a bit of it like that, maybe. I don't know. 
I, I, I don't know of anyone that has paid the ransom and and still has been whacked by their data being released. But whatever, regardless of whether it gets released to the pub into the public domain or not, that data has still been breached, and they still have to deal with the fact that that data has been breached by somebody. Thus, you know, the theoretically could have been breached by anybody else who's just not shouting about it in some respects. So I think you know, organisationally, they still have to deal with the the threat and the and the, the data breach itself, rather than just get a decryption key if they pay for it, whatever, and go around and decrypt all their data and carry on as normal. They still have to deal with a data breach. To that end, right, like most most of the advanced ransomware cases that we've investigated, the threat actors have a dwell time in the network. They've been there for a few months. Now that they've deployed a really, really, really loud piece of software on your machine that puts up this skull and crossbones on the on the screen and everything, now you notice. But in 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 several other situations, they could have not deployed that and sat in that network and stole data every day for a long time, maybe years. Uh, so, so just to John's point, right? Like the threat actors are in the mix. They're on the boxes in the environment. They're stealing data, whether they deploy the ransomware or not. And whether you recover your data or not, you need to one kick them, you know, you need to have a remediation plan to kick them out of the network and clean your boxes and figure out how they got in, in the first place and patch that up that, you know, however that was. It's one thing to get all your data back, right? Or to, you know, to, to decrypt it. But if they still have a foothold in your network, then they can just do it again. And we've seen that. And, and yeah, it's, and that's, I think that's what people don't realize is that all of these th- that, uh, yeah, your, your incident with, uh, ransomware may just be beginning, right? Is that you get that first, uh, that first hit where, yeah, they're, they're able to ransomware some of your machines and you, and you, and, and let, let's say you pay the ransom, right? And, okay. Well, how do you know that, uh, it, they won't just turn around and deploy the same tricks and get in again and do the same thing again. And, or, or some other threat actor might come in, right. And, and, and exploit very similar things. Cause I'm, cause you know, the bad guys talk to each other too, right. Just like the good guys talk to each other. And by the time you have ransomware, there's, there's several steps that have already been done to get to that, to get to the ransomware point. And so, and, you know, when we talk about preventing threats, you want to you want to prevent them at the very earliest stages, because the, the, the if you if you wait till later to prevent the threat, then they've got a foothold in your network. Right. And that's and, and that's all it takes is one machine to get compromised. And then, you know, and again, it's it's a series of failures that occur along the way that you're of not doing best practices or, you know, we, we, you know, least privilege and segmentation. It, it just takes a failure in one or two of those areas for there to become a, to get a foothold and, and to turn it into something that, well, uh, that, yeah, you're, you're compromised. It, but as, I mean, the technology for ransomware hasn't changed that much. It's still the same. It, it's still basically encrypt the hard drive. And, you know, I think that technology, yeah, there may be different ways of getting in and exploiting uh, ransomware, right. And, and, or, 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 doing ransomware, but it's still ultimately a lot of the same techniques. I mean, it's, it's kind of like full disk encryption. If you get right down to it, that technology has been around for a long time. And, and uh, so the actual encrypting of the data is probably, there's probably nothing new there. It's, it's the compromises that get you in the front door that are probably new and interesting. Yeah. I think before we used to see a lot of phishing attacks lead to it with a, with a, you know, an infection of something else, uh, you know, a, a trick bot, a goop kit, a, some sort of Trojan, and then you know, the next step on, there'd be a cobalt strike, maybe 
Um, then the next step on would be you know, a, a, another foothold. And you'd find all these in the ones where we've done the root cause analysis and found the root cause, you find all these bits and pieces lying around in the network wherever, wherever you know, where, where you find them. I think there's been some um, some more recently that, are, you know, because of services exposed to the internet, which we've talked about, you know, back in the SolarWinds thing and the Microsoft Exchange, is this the next is this the next step of attackers' activity, or then you know their, their next vector of getting into networks is those you know the services that become vulnerable or finding exploits for the services that are exposed to the internet. So we've seen a host of um, organisations that have been hit by you know RDP being brute forced. Um, weak local admin passwords on servers on the perimeter somewhere that are put there for a specific thing. No one ever intended them to do this, but it, you know, I guess that's the common story that we find that we find a lot is um, you know when we find the root cause that it was this server out there somewhere in the wild. Well, that's not supposed to be connected to the corporate network, but it is because that's how you got whacked, and we've just found that. Um, and I, so I, you know, I guess it's for the for a thing for organisations to take away in some respects is to you know, look at their look at what their networks really look like, understand what their networks really look like, because you know whether it's just we're just unlucky in the customers that we find, but I've never been to a customer that has given me a decent network diagram of what their network actually looks like, or has said definitely that machine no 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 connectivity to the internet, uh, and actually they're correct. That, that, that these machines don't have connectivity to the internet or some other part of the network. There's always there always seems to be a way somewhere because of something somebody's done at one point, um, somebody something somebody's done at this point, you know, X point, Y point, whatever. There always seems to be uh, the root cause of a problem, which is you know a mistake, an error, a misconfiguration, something like that. Other you know rather than the, the more traditional cause of a user clicked on something or you've got a vulnerable service service open to the internet. Yeah, this is, and this is something that when I used to do security architecture reviews back in the day, right? This is that getting a network diagram or just understanding what a network looks like, you'd be surprised how hard that is. Even the people that know don't know because all it takes is somebody cross-connecting a cable and all of a sudden, now you've got a different network diagram. You've got a different traffic flow, or somebody putting a, a, a you know a, a wireless modem on a on a system. Now all of a sudden, you got different kinds of connectivity, and 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 you know, do you have controls on your endpoints that that help prevent uh, you know data going one way or the other? This is and this is where you know protecting every asset, knowing where you know where things are, is going to help. But that's and yeah, I, a lot of a lot of issues I think come from the fact that that people don't know what the networks look like and don't know. And, and do we need to know what the networks look like anymore? Because it's, it's all changed, right? Is there, you know, how much of a, you know, how much of a central network is there when, you know, especially in current times and we're all sitting at our houses and, and working from home and, and that kind of thing. Uh, what's the, what is a corporate network in fact, or what is, you know, what, what does that even look like? I think you know, it comes it comes across a bit like a criticism, I suppose. You know, we haven't dealt, we haven't spoken to anybody that's got a decent network diagram. Diagram. Maybe nobody has ever got a decent network diagram, even the decent places, because it always changes and there's always something you know, another box being put on there. So you know, I guess it it comes it's, it's easy to sit here as an incident responder and be critical that nobody's got them, but actually you know maybe the, the question to ourselves is how actually useful are they? Even if someone had the best network diagram in the world, how useful would it be to us? Because there's always a reason. You know, we understand networks grow organically. We understand that one organization 
merges with another organization. They don't just build a nice new domain. They clutch the two together and make them work and give trust between them and stuff like that. So, you know, I guess we, we see that a lot. And probably, we, you know, maybe maybe we're, we get cynical about it because we see the worst offenders, I suppose. And we see the dirtiest places. And if you go to a, somewhere that's regulated, maybe we wouldn't find it like that. Or those aren't the customers that we're dealing with because we never get to deal with those customers because maybe they never get breached. Who knows? Lucky us, but it's I still, yeah, I, I think at a certain, and I, I've made this point a few times that, yeah, I think the, yeah, the, the middle of the network where, you know, the, you know, the, there's, there's still some value, I think with that, you know, having and knowing where your perimeters are, but in, in, in your network, but at the same time, the, the, the perimeters are becoming, uh, yeah, less centralized. There's, it's the, our environments in general are becoming more decentralized and, and, you know, we're, we're moving things into the cloud where, uh, you know, our, our, again, our users are working from home now, right. And, 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 and on who knows what kind a network connect. So, you know, as you're starting to deploy um, cybersecurity solutions, or you know, or, or, or you know, the, or, you know, what, you know, what we would classically consider perimeter controls, where you deploy those controls is going to change. Now, it's not going to be, it's not going to be on, you know, in your, uh, you know, in your, you might do some stuff in your data center for the stuff that still exists there, but you've also got end users. You've also got, um, you've also got uh, things in the cloud. You've got, uh, you've got SaaS applications where your data is, and it's just as, it's just as vulnerable there as it is anywhere else. And so, um, and this is, and this is where, yeah, you need to have a, uh, you need to have a complete strategy and it's not just, um, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, you, and you have to, you really do have to know where things are. Even if you don't know what your exact network diagram looks like, you need to know where your data is. You need to know where your, uh, your important assets are, and you need to make sure that you have the right things in place to protect them, to protect them for sure. Definitely. Asset management is, is the biggest, I think the biggest problem we see when we get involved, we ask customers, where is what in the network? And they often don't know. Some customers have told us uh, our network is Noah's Ark. There's two of everything. We don't know what it is. <laughs> Noah's so, Ark. That's a, we've heard that. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's great. But it, but it, 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 and I think that's true of a lot of places is really that there's this, that yeah, people don't know what they don't have, but I think in order, you know, and I, I was listening to another podcast, uh, last week or so. And, and, and yeah, that topic came up of what, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what I don't know. And and it's like, do you do vulnerability management or do you asset management first? And yeah, you kind of have to know what you have first and how important it is before you know, okay, is it vulnerable? Cause not all vulnerabilities are created equal. Um, can, can it be exploited? And this is, you know, again, I get, I've, I've had these discussions with customers before, just because a vuln scan says that something is a, is an issue doesn't mean it's a real issue because it depends on, um, you know, how easy is it to exploit? And I think that's, we start talking about vulnerabilities and exploits. There's a, there is, um, there's a, again, there's a lot of potential things that could be problematic, but when you get right down to exploits, there's really only a few things that happen at, at the end of the day, right? It's, it's, there's really just a few actions. And if you can prevent most of those things from the get go, then yeah. So, you know, that that's great, but it's still, but it's still, it's the, it's not the fact that something is vulnerable. It's that it can be exploited. That's the real problem. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Checkmates Go. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app leave us a rating and review and share with your colleagues on social media. And we'll see you next time.